Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, two sisters separated by death are able to communicate and share a warning of future danger. One former librarian shares her insight into why libraries may hold more than just old books. A listener who spends most of her time alone had gotten used to the feeling of being watched until one night she discovered it was more than just a feeling. And how would you react if your four-year-old child said that they were being babysat by a family member who had been dead for a decade? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. How would you feel if suddenly uh, one of the girls, like, oh, our babysitter, you know, so-and-so has been dead for... It depends on which relative it is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you got to think about that. Take that into consideration. Would you believe immediately if they did say someone that they didn't know? Uh, was babysitting them that it was, in fact, that relative and it wasn't something else? I probably... I probably would ask enough questions to see if, if they were just coming up with something. Yeah. But then figuring out whether or not it's really that relative or something dark masking itself as that relative is mm-hmm. going to be the real challenge. And how do you ever know? You don't. Yeah. As Harper would say, who are you going to call Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah. At night now, when I uh, when I put our two and a half year old to bed, she uh, she sings. She wants to sing some songs and dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we we sing a little Michael Bublé together, and then uh, the next song we do two little quick, basically choruses of songs, and then the uh, the second chorus is the Ghostbusters chorus, and we do it. And uh, she loves it. It's, you know, something strange. Who are you going to call? And she goes, Ghostbusters! And she puts her arm in the air and she cheers. <laughs> she loves it. So, it's good times. <laughs> I bet you in about 25 years she's going to want to take this over. Yeah, so that's going to be your future host in about 25 years. Yeah. Her name is Harper. She told me yesterday she wanted to do it, so... <laughs> she did. She came in and she's always like, Are those microphones? Yep. <gasps> Can I talk into one? <laughs> She talks a little bit. I'm like, you want to do the ghost show when we uh, retire someday? Yeah. So there you go. Uh, just so you know, when we leave, she'll be taking over. She's two right now. So <laughs> a little scary right now for her. But uh, at some point, uh, you know, we'll break her into it. So uh, you know, I'd imagine, you know, when she gets a bit older, she could come in on the show sometimes and share her insight. Probably could. <laughs> and she'll probably be like more articulate than both of us. <laughs> so She'll have different thoughts and and ideas that we never would have thought of yeah it'll be interesting our uh, phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost stories with us here at real ghost stories online of course you can also write into the website real ghost stories online.com and of course like we always say if you like the show please consider supporting it and become an epp extra podcast person get access to all those previous episodes and keep our show on the air get a brand new episode every single week brand new one out over the weekend so hope uh, Hope you enjoy that one. Our uh, first letter tonight uh, is uh, coming into us from a a nan uh, a nan miss. I, I can't <laughs> anonymous. Yeah, anonymous. Yes. Uh, I'm from Tennessee. I'd rather not give my name. Let's give you a little background of my story. My sister had passed away in a car accident when I was very very young. I was particularly close to her, so you can imagine that this had a profound effect on me and my family. 
A few years later, I moved in with the same friends. Over time, they had expressed an interest in the paranormal, and we had bought an Ouija board. Unlike a lot of people, we weren't afraid of it, as we saw it as just a cardboard and plastic. With more experimentation, we had some pretty amazing things happen as a result of us using the board. Pieces of lost jewelry were found out in in uh, found in out in the places. Okay, let me read this one again. Pieces of lost jewelry were found in out of the way places. There we go. You got it. My mind was kind of projecting forward what I thought they were going to say, uh-huh. and they said it in a different way. Okay. You damn people and the way you speak. <laughs> I'm kidding. Get tripped up. (laughs) Yeah, that's really all it is. Uh, Information lost to family members was found again, and we got the answers to a few minor questions about what the future held for us. These answers always came in strange ways. For instance, the board might spell out uh, coffee cup keys, and a set of lost keys would be found in a coffee cup. We'd never had any negative experiences with the board. But then, our intentions with it were never negative either. One night, we had some friends over and decided to get out the board. After asking it for some preliminary questions and getting vague answers, the guests we had over accused us of moving the board. Up until now, I had been an observer, watching from the couch. I said that I would participate and prove the uh, validity of what we were doing. Sat down on the floor, put my hands on the planchette, and asked a question only I would know the very distinct answer Two, what was my sister's nickname for me when I was a toddler? The answer came through the board, but it was missing a letter, something that happens from time to time. Other times, words can be misspelled or in an odd order, and you have to decipher what you think it might mean. Only in the movies does it come out perfect the first time. After the success of the first question, I asked another. What color was the purse my mother had been carrying when she left the house on the day my sister passed away? This was not an attempt to be morbid, but rather an attempt to prove that what we were doing was the real thing. The result was the word black, but missing the letter A. When it was proven that we were, in fact, telling the truth, and I'd explained the situation with my sister, one of our guests asked the question, Do you have any advice for us? There were a few minutes of hesitation. The planchette did a small circle on the board and began to spell out, the letters N-R-D-C-R and the word ride, followed by the no indicator. We didn't know what this meant, but after a few more questions, we put the board away. A few nights went by, and I tried to decipher what the message might be. My, being an exceptional English student, I took this as a personal challenge. What I noticed was that there were no vowels in the message, so... I wrote them all at the bottom of the original message. Before I could solve my puzzle, I got distracted with everyday things, and it was put away. But two weeks after the original Ouija session, my roommate and I decided to go out. Our plan was to take my car to her husband's work, get his car, and go have some fun. We did just this. Drove us to a popular night spot in our small town, and we had a good time. Because I'd had a few drinks, she was going to be the one to drive us home. Got into the passenger side of the car, reclined the seat back, and closed my eyes. I opened them to the whirling glare of ambulance lights and a strong hands of two paramedics lifting my body out of the car and onto a cart. We had an accident, and I'd been wedged between the two seats. I sustained a considerable injury to my back and wasn't able to move. Let me clarify here that this was not paralysis, just a bad injury that affected my lower back muscles and nerve tissue. I'd recover from this this injury with six weeks of bed rest and a few weeks of physical therapy. Just after the accident, while I was still in the hospital, my roommates came to see me. They brought the mysterious message from the notepad, the one the Ouija session we had with them. They'd figured it out. The message was, no red car ride, no. I took this to mean don't ride in a red car. As we looked at this message together, we were all hit by the same knowledge. The car we'd treaded out for that night was a red Beretta. Go forward a few months after I was up and walking around, I got a small insurance settlement from the accident that was enough to pay my medical bills and leave me with some leftover. The settlement was set up into an annuity, meaning I would get monthly payments and not one lump sum of the residual. 
I asked my grandfather to loan me the money to buy a small, sensible car that I'd drive back and forth to college. He agreed and I bought a small, red two-door. I'd make payments on the money my grandfather loaned me when the annuity check came in at the end of the month, as agreed. This took about nine months and the entire time, I never had any problems from this vehicle. On the day that I made the last payment of the loan from my grandfather, he congratulated me on owning my car. That afternoon, I was driving home and hit some ice in the road and flipped the car, totaling it. A year or so later, I came in contact with my former roommates, the ones I'd been living with when I had the accident in which I sustained my back injury. We'd parted ways just after that because of some unrelated conflict. When they'd asked how I was, I told them of the second incident involving a car, and we began to talk about the Ouija board experience and the warning of riding in a red car. It was then that I took out a piece of paper and wrote the message again. No red car ride, no. What if, I said to my friends, there were two messages here. I rearranged the letters in the first no and added a W, making the word own, and making the message read own red car. What if, I asked them, the message were for me not to ride in a red car that night or own a red car later? My friend pointed out that I had, we'd assumed, been talking to my sister. It made sense that she would attempt to try and warn me about dangers of cars in my favorite color. In the present day, I continue to use the Ouija board, but I do not plan my life around it, nor do I allow it to dictate my actions. I see it for what it was intended to be, a distraction and occasional caution no more or less dangerous than a yellow light at a traffic stop. As most things, it's good or ill comes from intention of use. I have one other Ouija experience story. If you'd be interested in hearing it, thank you for letting me share my story. I appreciate the outlet. You ever look at license plates and you try and decipher what they are? Sure. But then you you don't see it, you don't see it, and somebody with you says, oh, it's obviously this. Mm-hmm. And then after they tell you what it is, you can't see anything but that. And you're like, how did I not see that? Sure. It's kind of what the story made me think of with getting the letters, because... A lot of times, like on license plates, they leave vowels out to try and cram a phrase onto a license plate with seven characters. Sure. So it's kind of like after having the accident, both of them actually, you can't see anything but no red car when you look at those letters. Mm -hmm. That's what it made me think of. I think I'd be uh, very cautious of getting a red car. (laughs) Yeah. After that, but that obviously... Well, after being in a red car and crashing and then getting a red car and crashing, I I think I'd be done with red cars. What, um, it's such an interesting thing. What I was trying to figure out is when uh, a spirit leaves out a letter, Mm -hmm. why is that? Is Is that on purpose to try and make you figure out the riddle? Or is it like spell check and they're just bad spellers and there's no spell check on a Ouija board? Maybe they're just doing it to be quicker. Could be. If you it's ha- like texting. Yeah, because you have to go through every single mm-hmm. letter. The Ouija, the original short form. What do they call that when you, you use the, the small abbreviations on texting? There's a word for that. I don't know what the hell it is, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, when, when people are using all the abbreviations and yeah. you know, kids do it. And you're I like, knew what? the word until you asked me. It's like, what the hell are you people saying? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the spirits are doing. They're the original. They're the originators of this concept. It'll be funny when a spirit starts doing L-O-L. Then, you know, it's a more recent spirit. Yeah. If they're doing things of that nature. Very interesting. I wonder if anyone's ever had a spirit do that. I'm curious, like, literally, they just sit there and they tell jokes, and it's for the audience of the spirits with the Ouija board. Yeah. be interesting. 855-853-4802 is our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Amanda writes in, hi, Jenny and Tony. I discovered your podcast a month ago and now listen to you guys every morning with my coffee. I recently became an EPP and really love the show. Well, thank you for that. I'm writing in because recently you guys have had a couple of haunted library stories come in and you asked if libraries were typical hotbeds of paranormal activity. Although I will say anything paranormal happening in libraries is far less scary than working with the general public. Ha! The answer to that is yes. 
I've heard my share of weird stories throughout the years. I'm 36 now, but my first job was at a public library at the age of 16. I worked there for 16 years, and over the course of that time, the life, uh, the longtime administrator passed away, and we also underwent some renovations. One evening, when I was about 21 or so, I was in the large meeting room by myself, setting up uh, for a kids' program. The room was completely empty, and I had shut both doors in order to move things around without making a ton of noise. I'd always considered myself somewhat sensitive, and that I can sense or feel things like presences, but I've never wanted to actually see anything. As a child, I had nightmares that freaked me out enough without actually having something manifest itself during waking hours, so I do feel I've managed to effectively block any visuals that might want to come my way. Anyways, I was doing my thing, setting up the room, when all of a sudden, I felt as though someone was in there with me, clear as day. In fact, I looked up, startled, expecting to see someone. For whatever reason, I blurted out, Okay, who are you and what do you want? As soon as I said that, one of the doors to the room swung open slowly, completely of its own accord. No one was on the other side. There was no breeze that could have pushed it open, and I had closed it firmly. Besides that, it was a pretty heavy door that had to be yanked open on a good day, and it closed itself. I left the room and headed back to my desk a little unnerved. My coworker was there and asked what was up, and I mentioned what had happened. She replied, Oh, must be Larry. Larry was the name of the former library administrator that had passed away some years prior. He was a fun-loving soul in life, and apparently longtime employees felt that Larry still hung around his beloved library, making noises, playing slight pranks, and just letting everyone know he was still watching out. No one, myself included, ever felt anything malevolent come out of the odd occurrence. I will say that although throughout the years I've had many colleagues from libraries all over mention different things that seem odd or paranormal, it's worth mentioning that sometimes I do think being in public buildings and often older ones that have been around a while, establishments like these are often filled day in and day out with lots of random energy. Public libraries do attend to attract the nutty, and I've met my fair share of random goofy people throughout the years, some very positive, but also some very negative or unstable. I do think that kind of energy can get bottled up in a large building like that over the years, which maybe can add to some of the paranormal feel to some things. Just my two cents. Thank you so much for your great show. Really enjoy listening to it whenever I can. Please keep it up. I'm thinking the books are sponges of energy. Mm-hmm. That because they're so porous and they touch so many hands over so many years and they they sit there, they just absorb energy. And then you get that many books together that it's just probably what helps play into the hauntings. That's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like they're little batteries almost. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you sit there. I mean, it, it's like if you're really into a book, it's like being into a movie. Yeah. Uh, or, or any situation in life. The emotions that are flowing through you, and it's something these people are holding, and it goes through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hands. It just, you know, it makes sense. If any object is going to have an emotional attachment to it, or some sort of energy attachment to it, I think that would be it, more so than a lamp, more so than a piece of furniture from someone's house. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, you know, you... I, the only other piece of furniture in someone's house that I could see maybe having is like a chair or something. Something you maybe... Or a bed yeah. you may be sitting on where that is the attachment because it's physical while the experiences are going on with that individual. Um so, yeah, I mean, books just seem like the natural thing. And the thing with libraries is they go through so many hands. It's not just the one person. Well, and you think about most of the really great movies that we've had that have, you know, stuck with you mm-hmm. over time and made you think one way or another, or you know, challenged you emotionally started out as a book. So somebody mm-hmm. read that. Sure. And then somebody else read that and had those emotions, and you, know, you get a room full of that. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. I think maybe that's part of what it is. I'd love to. I, I've, I've never been to our library in this city. 
Really? I used to go to the library all the time when I was a kid. I loved the library. I explored them in other cities I lived in, but I, for whatever reason, I've never been to ours here. I'd love to go check that out sometime. Yeah. You know what I used to do in, in junior high? Uh, I'd, I'd visit our library. This is, you know, pre-everyone having a computer or a tablet or anything of that nature. That still kind of blows my mind um, that every child has like a laptop in high school. I just, it's like, what? Yeah. Anyhow, um, what, uh, you know, you'd go to the library to get a book or a magazine or something to pass the time. What I always liked doing was not getting like the current magazines, but I'd ask to go back into the archives because they kept all the old magazines and I'd get like magazines, uh, at this point it was like 96 ish. Uh, uh, and I would go back into the archives and then like read People magazine from like 1984 or something. I loved that. Yeah. It was like so out of date, but it was just you could kind of get a grasp on what was going on pop, pop culture wise, not just encyclopedia wise. It's a little deeper look into things. I mean, not that People is all that deep of a look into anything, but you know, it just it was interesting. Well, sure. I always enjoyed that. Yeah. And it was always something kind of spooky about going into the back, uh, you know, uh, halls of the library where you really weren't, normal people were not going mm-hmm. unless you got like the key and the permission to go back there to do so. Um, there's always something kind of creepy about that too. Yeah. Because there's a lot of books stored back there too and you're just kind of all alone. Lights are not always quite as bright as the rest of the library and yeah, it's just a fun place. Anyhow. <laughs> Hi guys, I live in Tasmania. My parents were separated just two years ago due to them only seeing each other like maybe five times a year due to my work. My mother is in, uh, in uh, Army and my father is in the uh, Aust- uh, Australian Navy. Uh, my two sisters live with my father in Melbourne while I live in Tasmania with mom. Seeing as though she's never home, I basically live by myself. I have an experienced, uh, I've experienced minor things happening to me, which started around last year. I was cutting a banana on the bench, and for some reason, I walked away into the lounge, and I heard this loud thud on the floor. When I walked in, the chopping board was thrown across the kitchen. Needless to say, this freaked me out. And I went to go stay with my next-door neighbor for the night. As the months progressed, I would notice things were moving around the house. For instance, the teddy bear my brother gave me, he's currently in the Air Force, would be on my bed when I leave in the morning, and I'd find it outside in the garden. Pots would be in the bathroom, and the hedge clippers would be in the lounge. It'd be be impossible for anyone to move these things, uh, seeing as how I lock the house up tight before I leave and there's no spare key under a rock or anything like that. As this continued, I stayed with my neighbor more and more. Recently, though, they moved to Perth, so I have no choice but to stay at my house. I could stay with a friend, but it would be too far away from my school. About two months ago, I was turning restlessly in my bed and I started hearing a whispering. I could not make out what they were saying. I got up to investigate the whispering, and it sounded like it was coming from outside. For some reason, the outside stank. The best way I can describe it is rotting fish. I thought it was was just a possum that died. As I started walking out into my backyard, the whispering got louder and the smell got worse. It sounded like it was coming from my shed. I swallowed my fear, opened the shed door, wind blew in my face and knocked me down, and the smell was like nothing else I have ever smelt before. I ran inside, locked the door, several weeks passed without another incident, but one night, I was sitting on the computer, finishing off a presentation for English. I felt someone was watching me, so I turned my head to look out the window, and I screamed like I have never screamed before. I saw a man who has a pale, dry face wearing a flannel shirt and jeans. His eyes were literally glowing blue. He had a big smile on his face, literally ear to ear. His hair was long, straggly, and black. I ran to my mom's gun case and got out a shotgun and then proceeded to call the cops. They came really quickly and they pretty much said they can't see any proof that a man was standing there. They then scorned me for calling the cops without cause. But just last night, I was trying to fall asleep as best I could, and in my room, all my makeup just fell down off the shelf. I pretty much have to stay here. What should I do, guys? I have no idea what to do. 
Should we open that up to our message board? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, there really is, I mean, no foolproof answer here to this uh, equation. Um, move. <laughs> That's really not an option. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, it, it's it's such a touchy thing because you don't know what's going to set this entity off more, what's going to stir it up, what's going to make it go away. It's hard to say if this is... Uh, I'm leaning towards it's not so good. I'm leaning towards it being bad just with the rancid smells and things of that nature. It doesn't just seem to be like a poltergeisty thing where it's just knocking some makeup off here and there. Right. That's that. Those sort of things, when it's kind of limited to that, just you know, usually you can just kind of say, hey, please, you know, we can cohabitate here. Just don't scare me. Leave me alone. Don't make your presence known to me. And it stops. This one, I don't know. It's bringing the hedge clippers into the house. Yeah. And the thing is that's really scary is she's seen what it looks like. Yeah. And to know that that's coming in and out of her home when she's not there. Yeah. And it was actually, you know, it, it, it's presenting itself in a way that is is designed to be scary. Yeah. As well. You know, your average Joe ghost, you know, who may have lived there at one time, probably not going to be presenting itself as a demon. You know, unless they're really twisted. But, uh... I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you got something rather dark. I, you know, I, I let's open up to the message board, get some you know thoughts and suggestions there. If somebody wants to start a thread on that, uh, or you can even start a thread if you'd like. Um, just jump on there and do that. Um, there's plenty of folks who'd be happy to weigh in on this, um, and you're going to get a variety of uh, ideas and, and feedback. Can endorse any of it because there's no real way to know what to do with this. Um, Something like this, if you're religious at all, I would also maybe cry and talk to your uh, your clergy, if you will, yeah, um, and see what uh, what they would suggest for such an incident. Sometimes blessing a home does help, and in other cases, it just makes it worse. So, yeah, now I agree. That's what I would try too. Yeah. Let's go to another letter. Samantha writes in, "Hey there, guys. I just recently found your podcast. Wanted to let you know that I really enjoy your show." I've been binge listening for two days now. My story has to do with using a Ouija board. My best friend at the time had a friend of her mother's staying with them. One day, she brought in a box of her things from the garage and called us into her room. The box she uh, brought in was full of old board games like Scrabble and Monopoly, which she gave to us. Took the box to my friend's room, began going through it to see if she had anything we wanted to play. We found a Ouija board. Stored in the other games, and the two of us, being very into paranormal, were very excited. We spent the next week playing the board almost nonstop. The spirit we were talking to called himself Brian and said that he had burned to death. I don't remember much about the conversations we had with him during that week, but I remember the last night that we ever touched it. My friend and I were setting, uh, sitting up uh, on the shelf area of her waterbed, you know, the kind that they had, the big mirror and wide shelf area for a headboard. It was easier to use up there where the board would sit in our, on our knees. Well, at one point during our conversation with Brian, he asked us if we wanted to play a game. This was the first time the board asked us a question, and stupidly, we answered yes. The board began to count down from nine, and then around six, the bathroom door across the room opened slightly. At four, the room began to feel very cold. It was summer, and my friend's house didn't have air conditioning at the time. They just relied on fans. The two of us were really frightened by then. When the countdown got to one, the end of the waterbed moved like someone sat down on it. The two of us flipped out and took off out of the room, dumping the board of the planchette onto the bed as we ran. We told her mother what happened, and she took the board and used sage to smudge the room. We were told that we were no longer allowed to touch the board, and that was fine by us. That night, when we finally managed to get to sleep, we both had terrible nightmares and jolted awake within a few seconds of each other. My dream was about the two of us lying in bed, my friend seemingly dead or in a deep sleep in my dream. The floor opened up, and her bed began sliding into the hole. It was holding onto the bed, trying to wake my friend as she slid slowly towards the hole. 
I woke up just as she fell. My friend told me her dream was of me hanging upside down in the closet with a shadowy figure slowly peeling off my skin. She woke up when the figure turned and looked at her. She said the face wasn't human. Anyway, that's my story. It still gives me the chills, and my friend doesn't like to talk about it, even though it's been about 20 years. Thanks for reading this. Take care and keep up the good work. This is the second story we've had where whatever they're communicating with asks if they want to play a game. Yeah. And if they say yes, then a countdown follows, and... The first story we had, they stopped it before it got to one. Sure. Um, But this story, it sounds like it was just kind of left open. Obviously, when they threw the board onto the bed with the planchette and ran out the room, they didn't ever say goodbye, which is what they're supposed to do to close off the communication, which may have not done anything anyway. I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't more that happened after that. Yeah. Well, maybe it calmed down after the mom smudged and sure maybe that maybe that closed it off could be but i mean who doesn't have dreams of their friends hanging upside down in closets with you know things being skinned alive i mean everybody that's that's a normal (laughs) thing you know then you dream about puppies and rainbows you know that's just how it works yeah that's how it works Ah, uh, disturbing Ouija board stories. So I guess we kind of had the yin and the yang here of Ouija stories tonight. One where it was kind of like, yeah, we use it to talk, not much happens, and it really hasn't anything negative. And then this one, we had dreams of our friends being skinned alive. So if you do it, and it, uh, if they ask you if you want to play a game, always say no. I think I'm just going to err on the safe side. Okay. And um, just not go into it, you know. I understand, and we get this a lot, you know, in the message boards and sometimes in comments where I use a Ouija board all the time and it works just fine for me. Sure, for you, okay, that's wonderful. But uh, then should we just discount all the other thousands of stories we get in of where it didn't work out all so well? Because I honestly have to say... Um, we're getting thousands of letters into the show, and I'd say one out of ten involved, but not even that. I'd say maybe one, would you say, one out of 20, one out of 30, one out of 50 is actually a somewhat good Ouija story? Oh, probably one out of 20. One out of 20? Yeah. Okay. So one out of 20, it's a fairly mundane, it doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot. Or, or it's just like warning you, it's not bringing... Lots of bad shit in. Yeah. But the other 19 seem to be stories of this, look what this did. And the reason we don't hear more of the good Ouija stories is just because there's really nothing other than, hey, I used the Ouija board, it worked fine. Is that it? Do you think there's more? you think it actually balances better? than? No. What I'm saying is the reason we don't talk about more of them on the oh, show sure. is because there's not really anything that happens. They're very okay. anticlimactic. Oh, I see. So you're still sticking with the one out of 20. It's just yeah. we don't read that many of them because they're fairly a- anticlimactic. It's more of okay. just a note letting us know, yeah. hey, I used it, it was fine. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that... A Ouija board can't be used uh, to uh, essentially have a fairly mundane conversation. Kind of neat where, oh, look, this warned us about don't go in a red car or whatever. And then that's where it ends. But you don't necessarily and I I don't buy into the whole thing of, well, if you just do it with positive intentions, you're going to get positive. No, I don't think so. I I think that when you start tapping into that, you don't know what the hell you're going to get. Whether you want it or not. Yes, but on the same side of that, if you go into it with negative intentions, you're going to definitely have a negative experience. But the thing is, I don't think a lot of people go into it with negative intentions. I think most of the people who are calling or writing in or calling in with stories of Ouija board things, they went into it with more so curious intentions, not any sort of nefarious what should I say to manipulate this person or or get my way with this or that? Or it's more so, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? Or, you know, what am I yeah. going to get for a gift? It's it's fairly just mundane things, but then it opens up this doorway. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it personally. So that being said, if you're getting away with it right now and everything's good, okay, good. Good for you. I'm not going to, I don't doubt it. 
but unfortunately, you're the extreme minority <laughs> with the Ouija board, you know, and so that that's not like, oh, we should encourage everyone to do it, you know, it's like, you know, there's fire eaters out there too, you know, in the circus, they can eat fire and they won't burn themselves. I was thinking race car drivers, anybody can drive sure. their car at a hundred and 20 plus miles an hour but unless you're somebody that knows exactly what you're doing chances are eventually you're going to wreck so it's not like i i just don't feel like it's something where we should be taking the approach of well why don't you try it because i I get that sometimes like why are you so negative because it's not something you really want to promote when it's probably going to be not so uh, such a positive result yeah so that's all i that's my rant (laughs) Yeah. About that. I just wanted just to say that because I see those comments every now and then and I respect it if you're using it fine, but unfortunately that's not the normal thing. No. With, with the with the Ouija board. Even if it is pink, hot pink <laughs> and has the frozen princesses on it. I'm still I'm still against it. I don't yeah. see the need for it at all. No. Amber writes in, Hey, my name's Amber, and I first would like to say that I love your online stories. I'd like to start out with a little bit of history so that the story itself makes more sense. This happened when I was around 14. My father was an alcoholic, and basically my whole family struggles with addiction. My mother took us to church a lot, though, and uh, trying to show us a better way to live. Well, at this time, as I said, I was around 14, and I was getting into a lot of trouble. I was skipping school and running away from home for weeks at a time. I was doing hardcore drugs and was already an addict by the time I was 14. But in the back of my head, I knew I was doing wrong, and I could always feel a huge emptiness in my heart. So I was straddling the fence, as they say, between living right and doing my drugs. I've always been a believer in ghosts and demons and angels. I truly believe this time something was fighting hard against me. At the time that this happened, I was two weeks sober. I was going to church and trying to live in the way that God intended me to. I had just gotten home from church and was going to my room to do my homework. Uh, All the while, I was uh, singing a song from church. I could feel the negativity and the complete heaviness as soon as I walked into my room. But I was trying to not pay attention and stay positive. As a side note, I always locked my door when I went into my room due to my nosy brothers. I locked my door, sat down in my bed, and opened my school folder, all while singing the song from church. I had what you call a day bed, which was up against the wall, and above the bed I had one of those round push-button lights that stick to your wall. Out of nowhere, I heard a loud boom hit the light on my wall, and the light comes on, slides down my wall, falls onto my bed. My whole entire bed and wall shook from that boom. My heart started pounding, and I knew I had gone completely pale. All I could do was start yelling for my mom. Now remember, my door is locked, and I'm so scared that I can't move, and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs. OMG, Mom, there's something in here. OMG. My mom, who is maybe 100 pounds, literally breaks the knob and lock on my door to get me. But I guess that's what moms do, protect their kids, right? Anyway, she comes in and immediately comes to me and we start to pray. She said she felt the pure evil that was in my room. I've talked about this to several preachers and my grandpa who had a wonderful relationship with God. And they all told me that it was most definitely a demon. And he was there because I was trying to better my life, and he didn't like the idea, obviously. I still struggled with addiction to drugs after that, and I'm glad to say I'm over a year clean today with a beautiful two-year-old son who saved my life. For anyone that believes in God and the devil knows that the devil will fight you every step of the way. I'm almost 27 years old, and he still fights me to this day. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Do you think people that are trying to overcome darkness in their life are more targeted by dark things trying to persuade them to go back? Yeah, I mean, I think we see that every day, Yeah, you know, in, in stories. And I don't know that it's every single case and every single person, but I think that it's certainly, you know, anyone struggling with something like that is a target for those sort of things. It just... We seem to see it and hear it in the letters. Well, I know like is struggling with mm-hmm. depression and sure. being in a dark place, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if like in this specific case where she's trying to get better mm-hmm. and overcome 
addiction if the darkness is going to be like, no, let's turn you back around and and make you go back that way. Not Mm. so much preying on her because of a mental state, but more just trying to guide her back down a bad path just because. Yeah, I think so. Okay. You? Yeah, I I was thinking that, but I didn't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, I I think that 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 type of situation, you know, it's a prime target, whether it's addiction, um, you know, or... You know, anything where it's just you're in a dark place, you know, essentially it's like negative, it's the saying, negative breeds negativity, and sometimes that negativity is not necessarily coming in from other people. Mm-hmm. It's coming in from other forces that we're not really aware of. Okay. So that's where, that's kind of how I feel about that. Makes sense. So. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Shauna writes in, thanks guys for having a great show. My boyfriend and I listen nightly and our EPP members. Well, thank you guys very much. I've been telling him for weeks now I wanted to send this story in. So here goes, just as some backstory. My sister and her husband do live with their in-laws for the time being. Getting to the story now, this is coming from my sister who told me the story. My niece is four years old and, of course, has an imagination that can run wild. The week before Valentine's Day this year, she was home with her three kids. The youngest, who was seven months, was crying, and she asked her daughter, my niece, to go keep him company. So she did. She comes back into the room and tells my sister, Hi, Mama. Just wanted to tell you the baby's okay. Grandpa's watching him. My sister, of course, stopped because she knew that Papa, that they live with, wasn't home. My sister asked, Grandpa who? She responded, Grandpa Jim. He has the wife, but he disappeared and he died and he misses me. What makes this story, Grandpa Jim has been gone for 10 years this Valentine's Day. What she doesn't know is that my sister and I were raised by our Grandpa Jim, but my niece never met him, and she has never seen photos of him either. Thanks for reading the story. I have many more. Um, I don't know. As a parent, I just think that's that's not okay, even if it was a relative that I was okay with in life. Yeah. I'm, I'm never... I don't think I'd ever be super okay with really any ghost hanging out with my kid. Just because I will, I will never be quite sure of who is around. Yeah, who is who is hanging out there? You know, on a perpetual basis. If there was one hanging out, I, I'd be very leery. I'd want to believe that it was Grandpa Jim. If that was me in that case, but I would always there'd be a part of me wondering. You know, when is the other shoe gonna fall? And this is something else. See, with me, it'd be a time will tell kind of thing to where at first I'm not going to be okay. If it continues and it's fine and nothing happens, eventually I will be more okay. But probably this is probably a selfish reason, but I'd be more okay if it was one of those friendly ghosts that comes in the night when your kid's crying and is somehow soothing. And and then the kid goes back to sleep quietly. Those are the greatest ghosts ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be more okay with that, but I I don't know. It's just uncomfortable. Whether it's conscious and it knows who it is. Mm -hmm. It can tell you about their life history. Yeah. I, I, you know, and that's not to say that it's not grandpa Jim. I mean, it could very well be. You know, and I believe that that's, I'm just saying that I would be cautious no matter what. And yeah. I'm not thinking it's, a, it's always something negative. I think that's just more so my paranoia and anxiety that would play into the situation and going, what if? Sure. Even though it proves itself in 500 different ways that it's not, I'd still be like, well, it still could be. You know. And it's your kid. You know, the thing you're most concerned and sensitive about and you're going to protect, you know, no matter what. Anything from the undead, good or bad, is like, yeah, just leave my kid alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Would you ask it to leave? <sighs> I, I think I would I would probably be nice about it, and I probably would. Okay. And I, w- I would say, I, I would say, you know, you can hang out, um, or if you want to be a presence, a helpful presence, you can be. But just please don't make yourself uh, shown or, or known to 
for what you're doing or who you are, what's going Don't on. Don't show yourself. Don't show yourself physically. Okay. And you can help out, but I'd rather you not show yourself because that, I think, could scare. Yeah, it could be very confusing. Yeah. But you can help if you want. If this is really you and you want to help, go ahead, help away. <laughs> but just, you know, don't be wandering down my hallway and I see you wandering down my hallway. Oh, hey, you've been dead for a while. You know, yeah. that's uh, that would be startling. Yeah, that you know? would be so good. No matter who it is, you know, eight, five, five, eight, five, three, forty eight or two. Hey, Jordan writes in. Hello, I discovered your podcast today and I can already tell I'm going to be a regular listener. Twenty seven. I work in accounting. I uh, love to have something to listen to at my work. Uh, it can be so mind-numbing at times, and the paranormal has always interested me. I'd like to share a story with you from my childhood. I believe I was 12 or 13 years old when it happened. Grew up living in a farmhouse, which is more than 100 years old, and I have no idea about any of its previous owners. One night, I stayed up past midnight watching TV after the rest of my family had gone to bed. My cat, Snowball, wanted to be let down into the basement where he could go outside through the cat door. He led me out of the kitchen where I opened the door for him and he ran down the stairs into the darkness. I returned to the living room and laid back down on the couch to continue watching TV. An hour or so went by and I was beginning to get tired. There was one of those old wicker rocking chairs right next to the couch about two feet from my head and suddenly I noticed out of the corner of my eye it began to rock a little. At first I thought nothing of it because I had forgotten. I let Snowball into the basement I'd assumed he had brushed up against the chair, which made it begin to rock. About 30 seconds later, I heard a cat start screeching in the basement as though it was in a fight with another cat. My heart nearly jumped out of my chest as I remembered Snowball was not in the room with me. And as the sounds of the basement stopped, I turned off the TV. As I was about to go upstairs, the wicker chair again caught my attention as it rocked a little, and it made a loud creak as though someone had just sat down in it. I felt my heart leap into my throat as I jumped up from the couch and made a mad dash for the stairs. It all seemed to go in slow motion, like in a dream when it feels like you're running through quicksand. I tried to slam the door behind me as I reached the staircase, but it closed. As it closed, I felt 100% certain a hand would reach through the space and grab me before the door closed all the way. The hand never came, and I tore up the stairs and into my bedroom, where I hid under the covers until I finally fell asleep. As a final note, no kitties were harmed in this story. Snowball was just fine the next day. I have a few other stories about growing up in this house, but I'll save them for another day. Thanks for reading. Have you ever felt like something was chasing you? In a dream. In a dream, but not, like, Hi, felt so weird in a... In an area or anything that you felt like something was going to get you? In real life? Like, I felt eerie. I felt like I've been watched. I've... I think it was more paranoia. Um, but I've never actually had it, like, manifest and, oh, God, there it is. I have to run or something like that. Yeah. You? No, I haven't. I I have in dreams, but, you know, I'm not going to count that because I know that they were just dreams, that I didn't really have something after me. But that feeling of you can't get away like you're in quicksand, I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, it's interesting. Um, in dreams, I am very claustrophobic. Yeah. In real life, not so much. I really, I, I, it, small spaces don't bother me all that much in real life. Like if, uh, you know, it, it's just, I mean, I can tell if it's something really small, I, I shouldn't go into it. Like, I'm not about caves. I don't like that idea. And trying to, like, get down really low and, like, do a belly crawl to get through something. I'm afraid I'll get stuck there. Sure. But that's a fairly extreme thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in dreams, when there's tight spaces, I really don't like it. I mean, I get really, really uncomfortable. And then when I rethink about it in in real life, where it's like, okay, if I was actually in this setting, in this situation, how would I feel? And I'm like, I don't really think I'd be all that perturbed or or anxious about it. But but for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. in dreams, it's like the, uh, the claustrophobia level 
goes way the hell up, and I don't know why. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's like I every other part of me seems to feel the same, but there's something about that, and I, I run into that a lot in dreams where it's like I have to try and get through a really small space, and I don't ever do it because it's like I'm going to get stuck. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's more so my fear than anything is I'm going to get stuck. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's usually like that's like a small cave or something like that or um, a very, very narrow passageway where it's just very difficult to get through. Um, so I just kind of avoid it. <laughs> but I don't know. In real, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an odd. Do you have anything like that that you can think of? I know I'm just kind of putting you on the spot where it's like an anxiety thing where in real life, not such a big deal to you. Mm-hmm. But in a dream, it's like way the hell up there. Not that I can think of. Sure. But I've never really thought about that before. Yeah. And I am... It, it's rare that I can remember dreams the next day. Mm-hmm. It's like for the first few minutes, yeah, they're there. An hour later, kind of there. Half the day's gone. It's gone totally. Yeah. The only time I really remember dreams are if I feel like something otherworldly has happened in them. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you'll come up with something. I know I'll I think put you about on the it. spot. Think about it a little bit. I'd be interested to, to hear. I'll go to sleep right now and see what I can come up with. Okay. Then we'll do another show in about an hour. Okay. Okay. It's 855 853 for our phone number to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can write it on the website. And please consider becoming an EPP. Brand new EPP episode is out. So when you sign up, you get immediately 28 episodes sent directly to you for your listening enjoyment. You gotta love that. Plus a brand new one every single week. And you get that video too, Spirits in the Air, about the haunted airport, which we have put together. And you can actually see us in it. You can see what we look like. Yay! It's fun for the whole family. Gather <laughs> around the TV, have some Orville Redenbacher, and just make it a night. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that. Okay. Anyway, sign up with the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>